This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's Shake Them Ropes. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Jeffy Weffy Appreciation Day. My name is Chris Novembrino. I am your hostess with the mostest for Jeffy Weffy Appreciation Day. And with me is Jeffy Weffy. Hey, Jeff. Hi. I'm your beastest with the leastest. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we love you. <sighs> We're both having tough weeks at work. We've been doing emotional support on the line here for the last 45 minutes. Oh, and now geez. now after venting for the last 45 minutes, are we finally ready to talk about wrestling? I, I did enjoy all of these shows this week, Jeff. I thought this was a, yeah, a and nice the, little you know, setup. The, the, the two major shows on the weekend were quite good. Yeah. Here comes the cheap plug. Patreon.com slash Shake Them Ropes. It's the beginning of the month. Throw us a buck. You can download our live hot takes after episode of NXT UK Cardiff. Um, I thought that was a fantastic show. I, I quibbled a bit on some things, but I thought it was a fantastic show. I really enjoyed that show. I And might I just say, Jeff, it has been a very strong month on the Patreon with the, the launch of the really <laughs> climbing the charts faster than you can really quantify podcast high wattage. I had to make sure to not say voltage. Um, and also, we've been putting out more Patreon content, so somewhere in there, buried in there, is a legitimate plug for our Patreon. You should go and check it out. It's good. Yes, that's patreon.com slash shake them ropes, all one word. Um, interesting things on the main roster happening before we get into our TV reviews for the network stuff. Uh, another writer shakeup, Ryan Ward, who had been lead writer for SmackDown, is out. Officially called a personal leave. I believe he just got married. I don't believe he is permanently leaving or he's burned out or it's anything bad. I think it's actually something good from what I've heard. Um, SmackDown scripts had been heavily edited by Vince McMahon for some time, so they thought there'd be a change. Ed Kosky, head writer of Raw, moving over to that team. Um the teams are being split again because with the uh, with the two shows starting in October and stuff like that, they're going to get rid of this wild card rule once and for all. Jonathan Backstrom taking over as lead writer for Raw. Friends of our show uh, are safe and happy. I checked in on them. Um, yeah, I, I'm personally not a big fan of <laughs> Vince's well, let's shake up the writing team again because that'll get everybody's creative juices flowing as opposed to everybody editing their resume. Um, <laughs> I like continuity in my teams. There's just been too um, many shake-up moves here. I'm not going to rattle off that list I came up with not that long ago, but think about how many reset button moves we have done since December of last year. Yeah, but interesting within that, and this is the part I got from The Observer this week that is... Uh, very interesting to me. Bailey, Sasha Banks, and Rey Mysterio's promos on Raw were all done without being scripted word for word. They're basically given bullet points and saying, go for it. I'm into that. I think that's a positive. That's a huge positive, I think. Especially for a guy like Rey Mysterio. You know that Rey Mysterio can get across what he needs to get across. You just have to not over script this guy and give him too many lines to deliver. 
Well, I think it also helps someone like Sasha Banks, because I think yeah. Sasha Banks knows her character. I think she gets tripped up on having to act and then think of words. Uh, so it'll be good for that. The one I'm interested in, of course, is Bailey. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, interesting dealings with Bailey this week. Yeah. Um, NXT, the decision has been made to only do one hour on USA for the first two weeks. Whoa, and uh, that's it, kind of an abrupt change because they have been doing teases on television talking about two hours. Well, they will still be live two-hour tapings. The second hour will be on the network. To make room probably for whatever USA show they're doing. So I think suits. what are we thinking that hour suits. is now becoming then? Is that hour going to be an actual return to undercard and developmental type feuds with maybe an emphasis on one under storyline every week. I think they'll put the big stuff up top. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I think that's going to be above ground and this other stuff will be, let's say underground on the network. Yeah. I think, I think hour one will be your undisputed eras, Gargano, Shayna Baszler storylines. And then hour two will be your Keith Lee matches for those two weeks. Leading into the AEW, you know, head to head. But um, yeah, I, I find that interesting. It's kind of a, oh, well, let's let's hold back a bit. I think it's a walk before you run scenario. I think that's probably a good thing. Get them used to doing two hour shows. Um, and then any screw ups can be in the second hour, hopefully. <laughs> but yeah no that's interesting uh yeah usa shows are just bad i hate all usa one hour shows i really do they're all the same they used to be all the same a few years ago where it'd be like this is the world's best blank problem is this person's personal life is all out of order sarah shahi and fairly legal you know whatever suits is standard legal drama where a bunch of great character actors treat each other like crap I mean, it's it's fine. I just I was my boy Chrisley see... was framed. Chris, oh that Chrisley is. Just... They framed him. They're framing him. They're framing him. Yeah, he's framed. He's been framed. A couple more, just quick news bites before we get into everything. Uh, Casey Catanzaro appears to be on her way out from the WWE. Kind of sad. I thought. I thought she plays a nice perky baby face quite well, but uh, looks like she's just not happy being there. I think there were some things in her game that didn't seem to quite be clicking like the bumping. So she was doing the escapes in that part of it. Offense wasn't that big of a problem for her, but actually selling damage and taking damage seemed to be a thing that she was adverse to in her matches. She's small. Yeah, sure. And she, and her body has taken a lot of, uh, a lot of overall damage just from being in gymnastics for so long. That was some point somebody else made really well. It was like, look, when you're a gymnast, you're almost washed up by the time you're 24, 25. The fact that she's a few years older than that has been doing this American Ninja Warrior stuff put an additional toll on her body. I mean, she she might, you know, have some things really, really wrong with her right now. Um, I also think personally it might be the competitive thing. It's like, look, I've been doing this for two or three years. You're not going to move me up. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get promoted. I don't have time to wait. I'm almost, you know, thirty. I'm out of here. Yeah, or, or maybe a combination of both of those things, where she's going. I have had a career that has been very tough on my body thus far. I'm not here to learn the hard camera. If you're going to do a big push with me, I, okay, I'm into that. If you've got a big thing in store for me, I'm into that. 
But if not, I'm not just going to be taking bumps senselessly for nothing, just for a paycheck. Yeah, she's she's 29. Um, I th- I think these guys keep them way too long in developmental doing drills that don't matter. And we'll get into that a bit on the NXT show because I just I just don't see the point of uh, keeping um, Kona Reeves around any longer, to be honest with you. I like the kid, but they're just not doing anything with him. Uh, one last thing, Ric Flair uh, apparently is in a bit of a trademark dispute with the WWE over the term the man. Uh, he was under the impression that WWE would be paying him royalties for usage of the term. WWE said, yeah, uh, prove it. So it looks like they may be going to court over such things. Um, any particular thoughts about that or no? Just makes me sad, man. Just makes me sad. It's, it's <laughs> sad to see Uncle Rick and Uncle Vince fighting like this. Why must mommy and daddy fight? Well, the funny thing is, is, is they're still very you know, collegial. He's still appearing backstage in segments with the street profits and stuff like that. It's just one of those things where it's like, well, business is business, and I'll, I'll still be a company guy, but you know what? Pay me. I, I, I kind of like the way it's going as opposed to getting acrimonious. I, I kind of dig that about it. Yeah, I'm sure they'll at some point settle it. I, I'm guessing that Rick has figured out that there's a nuisance point where he can make Vince just go, Rick, we're going to give you this amount of money and we're done with this. That's what he wants. Yeah. I think that's what yeah, he wants. Yeah, he um, wants yeah he does, he's not going to get the full amount, but I, I'm sure he'll get some <laughs> small amount and he'll be like, woo, and he'll go to the bar. Because at this point, Ric Flair is like, I have a lifestyle to maintain. Uh, I need all the income streams I can possibly get. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm with you. So let's talk some wrestling. Let's talk a little main roster. Main story: Bailey has turned heel, allegedly. It's an odd turn, Chris. I like it, but at the same time, they have no real baby faces for the most part. Man, I'm so tentative on, on this new character. Because there's a way where she can still think that she's a role model to the kids, and it's that's just it. and it's fun, yeah. and it's almost evil, and it's like the time Sasha made that kid cry at the NXT Takeover, and that was really fun. We all liked it. Or I could see it just being like she's a patsy for Sasha, and then once again Bailey's a goober, and in this heel turn, which was meant to give her an edge, she ends up not having an edge at all. I mean, really, if you're going to do this, Bailey needs to keep breaking bad and she needs to turn on Sasha at some point. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, she needs to be worse. Uh, I, I agree with you. There, there are some things that that are warning signs that I'll get into in a bit. I, I kind of pity the WWE um, on, on, this, on this note. Writing straight ahead good guys is one of the hardest things in the world to do. Because you always know what they're going to do. And you're always trying to think of different obstacles to put in the way to do the right thing to make them interesting. I mean, it's not like Vince McMahon is studying Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces or anything like that for the Hero's Quest or something to that effect. But longtime listeners of this show thought or know that I thought Bailey was a female John Cena who was just going to be a huge superstar and break open a certain fan base to wrestling that had never been there before. I thought she was industry changing. And the fact is, after that Battleground debut, they did not see the same thing. That's why they didn't bring her up in the first place with the other three. 
Um, I like the fact that Becky brought up the giving flowers thing in the Sasha promo. Now Bailey needs to bring up the, uh, oh yeah, and Becky turned on me in NXT thing. But here, here's the danger, and it comes in the follow-up promo, and you are exactly right when you said she's this role model thing is a bad idea. I get the idea that bad guys don't think they're bad. This is way too subtle for someone who doesn't have the best acting chops like Bailey right now. Because I liked everything about the turn that she did was fantastic because she processes it with the chair. She looks at it. It looks like she's just going to throw the chair down. That's how great her look is. When she's tired and her hair is a mess and stuff like that, and she looks like, you know, the best almost defeated underdog in the world, she's great. And then she gives the big grin to Sasha and whacks Becky with a chair. That was fantastic. The follow-up promo was disingenuous. Yes. But it wasn't disingenuous enough. But it was almost wink-wink. Like, she knew. Yes, exactly. She knew. And so, like, what you're saying earlier is, I'm with you. Bad guys shouldn't necessarily think they're bad guys. They should think that they're trying to achieve their specific goal and not really... It's like what the heels in WWE always say but never actually believe in practice is they don't care what the fans think. They're just here to win. Right. Like they're just, they're yeah. trying to win and make a ton of money and like glory and like be awesome and shove it in everyone's face, I guess, but like honestly, I don't really care. I'm just trying to win really badly. Uh Yeah, yeah. she's saying I'm really the good guy because I'm Yeah, loyal there's a here. wink and wink he- and there's this still appeal to the fans like she's mm-hmm. trying to gaslight them. And and I think yeah. it deeply undermines the whole setup that you gave of the heel not thinking they're a bad person. Billy does know she's a bad person. And now here's where it gets even more complicated because they're trying to script around this match at Clash of Champions on Sunday. Oh, Charlotte. Charlotte comes out. And Charlotte, basically, it's the weird Jericho, Shawn Michaels, you're a phony promo. But in Vince's mind and in, in Vince McMahon's world of WWE, Charlotte coming out and God, how'd I go Peter Brady right there? Charlotte coming out. Yeah, put some bass in your voice, Hawkins. <laughs> Charlotte coming out and saying, you know what I am. I've always been like I'm this. the honest liar. I'm the queen. I'm the honest liar is far more admirable than Bailey being a good person and now cha- either changing her mind or the argument that she's always been a fraud. So it's better to be an honest bad guy than a dishonest good guy. What they're missing is Even that the she- obvious narrative here is that both of these people operate within a system that honors vices and not virtues. Like, yes, like that exactly. seems to be the real overarching narrative here. Bailey realizes she can't even fully achieve greatness, even with the belt around her waist as a good person. And here comes Charlotte going, see, I'm actually pretty good because I tell everyone that I'm full of shit all the time. Yeah, you, ha- you, you, you. I mean, Bailey could come out and cut a promo and go, hey, Charlotte turned on me at one time. Becky turned on me at one time. And while Sasha was my enemy, she's never turned on me. Okay, I've always known what sh- Sasha is. And, and she's still my friend, even though we have very differing opinions. I thought at first they were going to try and do a, and you'll get this reference, Sting and Lex Luger type thing. Okay, yeah. Where Lex Luger was being a jerk and Sting was like, hey, he's still my friend. And Luger would only do heel things when Sting wasn't looking. 
I thought they might do that at first, but no, they're going to go full heel with her, and I'm fine with that. It's just one of these weird things where, you know, <laughs> Becky has turned into kind of a jerk as well, again. Talking about Sasha, calling her, you know, a, a weirdo dope, which is more fitting for, like, a Ronda promo than a Sasha promo, because Sasha... Becky's been going always... on both sides of the line, too, here in recent months. Yeah, she's kind of wink-wink, nudge-nudge with her stuff, too, and it's 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 kind of grating on me but yeah it, it's it's weird her promo against sasha should be hey i'm you know i beat the best there was in this division i i don't mind them using the storyline of her taking her ball and going home i don't mind that at all i hate that phrase though can i just say the per- like one yes. it doesn't actually describe the situation at hand two the person who has the ball is the person who has the ball it's like literally their ball yeah well, I think Sasha should come out and go, hey, you know what? I was being, but they, they'll never let her cut a promo that says I was being mistreated, in my opinion, by the company because I took the tag title seriously and they did. Well, no, that's, that's also true. That. I was just quibbling about the turn of phrase here. Um, I, I agree with your broader point as well. No, but I mean, Sasha has always been great as cocky. Once she found that and her story, and that's when she really started to get over and stuff like that. All you got to do is play pr- cocky versus driven you don't have to do this you know when i was in nxt you were pushed harder than i was office politics stuff i i just think the story is natural well, why and should I, we and, care about that history now when we haven't cared about yeah. the history for the last five but years they've never too put much. it they've never put it on the main roster yep. either and we were dying for yeah. it it's like when all these women were floundering in that stupid team bad stuff, when when Bailey got introduced in that crappy way by Mick Foley, I was like, all you have to do is play the stuff from NXT and make them realize this is why these people are important, and they never did that, and it drives me nuts no, to the point there's where... supposed to be this transition from the stories, the, the stories we were getting in NXT, those different chapters, those build into characterization. And what's so maddening about this is all of that stuff that should have been presented and utilized as characterization for the last half a decade is now just being real quickly retconned into a one-month storyline that will be dropped next month. Yes, exactly. I'm. It, it's, it's weird because you remember all the outside press that they had about the four horsewomen and how good friends they are and how they They're really all heels now, so, but they're not friends, are well, they? Well, not just that. I'm going to get to that because this is how it comes full circle. The fact that they'd never used that as introduction of all these women on the roster in some form, that we know that they're friends and we know that they care about each other and we know that they care about elevating this business, drives me insane because it was the easiest story in the world to tell to make the women's division relevant. But we had to fold in the Bellas and Paige and whatnot. But the funny thing is, now that they've been on the main roster and they've been misused in all these weird storylines and stuff like that, there's almost a weird way to bring it all together if they wanted to bring in Ronda and and uh, Shayna and those horsewomen to the point where they've all turned on each other by hitting each other with crap. It's almost a mutual admiration of, hey, we've all beaten each other with chairs 
but we still love each other <laughs> type of thing. And, oh, there's this force who's calling all of us out. Let's put together our petty quibbles and go after them. There's almost a way to make all four of these women heels if you wanted to make Rhonda a baby face against them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or conversely, turn them all into the faces that get conquered by the incoming heel faction of Rhonda and the other horsewomen or whatever their faction would be called. But you have no pure baby faces to put against them now. I mean, you have Naomi, who's off because I think of the whole... Well, no, Jeff, the Jey Sky Uso. Pirates... Uh, I'm sorry, the Kabuki Warriors are white hot right now. On main event? <laughs> yeah, dude, they're lighting you know, it up. Dana, Dana, Dana Brooke is out there. Oh, yeah, they got Dana uh, Brooke yeah. out there. This, this She's is, very this, available. This is, the epitome of, this is the epitome of Shades of Grey, but more black than white. It, it's so weird. Um... I guess you also have Ember Moon, even though she was acting <laughs> heelish a few weeks ago. Well, they had to just kind of reverse course on the Ember Moon and the Charlotte storyline in order to do this rush job Bailey heel turn. And I think that's what makes me the most bearish on the Bailey heel turn in terms of them having good follow through. Look at the way it was launched. Yeah. All of a sudden, although Heyman was in charge of it, so I kind of have some faith in it. But it, it, it's it's easier to write bad guys or guys of questionable morality than it is straight ahead good people because you're always trying to find things to do. Whereas, whereas if an anti-hero or you know, no, Heyman got like good Solo, guys though back in the nineties. Han Solo was great until until they decided to retcon him shooting Greedo right, first. Right, right. No, because here's why Heyman's good guys, like Han Solo, work as good guys because good guys need to have a bit of an edge, just a yeah. little black streak. Rob Van Dam, he was a little bit cocky. We all know what he liked to do after the shows. He was a real cool dude. But he was also the good guy in all of his matches. Um, The Sandman, the same thing. I, I mean, he, he's sort of like the most extreme version of that. But Stone Cold Steve Austin, same thing, although Steve Austin was kind of painted in both ways. Well, Sandman, Sandman was a villain straight up until he started just getting cheered. Right. So it was just one of those weird things that just happened because... ECW fans. Yeah, that time yeah, yeah, I know. Poor moral character. Also true. So. You also had the rise of the anti-hero. But I still think that yeah. basically hangs around. Because, like, John Cena as a baby face, yes, he's a successful baby face, but he's a successful baby face with children. Like, he's not like the baby face like Hulk Hogan had that kind of cross-generational appeal or something. Yeah, but but at the same time, they also got him big by giving him a little bit of edge with the uh, that's true, thug life, that's true, making making you know balls references in his raps and stuff like that. I mean, The Rock the same way, yeah, Stone yeah. Cold the same way. So this is kind of I mean, the last pure babyface who was of any intelligence was Hogan because the other babyfaces always act dumb, and I think that's why people cheer when you get a heel turn because it's like finally. This character is going to have some brains about it. Well, The Rock and Stone Cold could outsmart you, um, and that's part of what that... that but they were heelish. They right. were heelish in many that's ways. That's what that baby face edge is, though. It's it's like, I can yeah. screw with Vince McMahon because I know how to do this, and I've done this myself. You know, <laughs> Steve Austin breaking into Brian Pillman's house prepared him for his future yes. battles with Vince McMahon. Let's run with that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I'll tag with this good guy, but I'll stun him afterwards, much to the cheers of the crowd, because I'm a bad... Mick Foley. And that's also, the, that's also the tough veneer, too. Um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much all I have for the main roster because that was the most interesting thing. And look, despite my quibbles, I love all four of those women. And I will, I will fanboy them. I just I don't die like the way because... they're presented. I, I, I think that no, it's the I. inconsistency. Like Charlotte, of course, is a great, great talent. Same with Becky. Um, Bailey is a great character and can have really good matches. And Sasha, same way. Um, like all four of these are of a really great class of wrestlers that I think have just been a, really I... badly used on this roster. Yeah. I get emotionally evolved because they were the one thing that kept my wrestling fandom when I really just hated everything about WWE and I saw them on NXT. I'm like, this is interesting. They're telling cool stories and these women can wrestle. And it was a lot like 1980s men wrestling in terms of style and athleticism. So I really dug it. So when they, you know, so I, I'm a little protective of them. It's a little, I get nostalgic too. uh, I was captioning back then. I used to caption those NXTs. I love them. Um, let me let me think real quick. Oh, <laughs> it was just uh, for some reason. Even though all the women are 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 heels, I enjoyed that fire and desire versus uh, Nikki Cross and Alexa match. If for nothing else, um, <laughs> the interplay when Mandy is yelling at at Nikki, yes. the, you know, no one wants to look like you. And Alexa goes, "We know." <laughs> it's just like. It's like Alexa is such a great character, even though her wrestling isn't the best in the world. But just she's it, a great so... personality. No, she's really, really yes. funny. She she babies herself, even though she's not supposed to. But, um, but it's, it's so just... I actually think they might be doing a very short term baby face thing with Nikki and Alexa, and and I think that is strongly bolstered by what they did with Bailey and Sasha. I I think the way this is going to shake out is temporarily Alexa and Nikki will be babyface until they get to their split when Alexa will never be a pure babyface, but this will get Nikki back to where she needs to be to be hot when Alexa turns on Nikki. Yeah, and and it'll be fun for a while, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think Fire and Desire Desire are not a bad team. They've gotten better. Since getting brought up on on the main roster too, you can see the improvement there, uh, both as characters and as wrestlers. So I mean, this women's division has a lot of potential. I I wish they'd see a lot of it as opposed to what they do, but we'll see. Uh, before we get into the TV reviews, Chris, uh, a, a sponsor this week, same sponsor as last week. Very happy to have them. My bookie. The NFL season is upon us. Uh, I went on the app. Uh, thousands and thousands of things. If you are an NFL fan and you have disposable income to bet responsibly, uh, my bookie is absolutely fantastic for football fans. My if bookie. You found, <laughs> if you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Well, of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? And it's why I go to my bookie. It's fast. It's easy. They pay you when you win. And let's face it, where you're betting is just important as who you're betting on. Now, um, it's football season. Again, I went on that Bears-Packers uh, Bears game that's currently playing. You can bet on everything from last touchdown, over-unders, prop bets, point spreads, what have you. You know, if you, if you, uh, you want to bet after kickoff, by the second half, it looks like your bet is going to lose. You can always just change your bet and take it to the other side. 
I think I'm going to put 100 bucks before Sunday kickoff on the Patriots winning it all because every other team looks terrible out there. Um, if you're the kind of guy who wants to bet a little and win a lot, you can try parlay betting, which is basically betting three, four, five team parlays, and they all have to win for you to cash out, but you get big money. Um, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year for doing this type of thing. So if you join now, my bookie will double your first deposit. You can use the promo code ROPES to activate the offer. That's promo code R-O-P-E-S. That's how they know you've uh, you've taken our word for it and you go to them and say, hey, we like you supporting this show. Take my money and bet against the Bengals because the Bengals are going to suck this year too. The Bengals are going to suck. You can bet on any sport. You can bet on college. You can bet on baseball. You can bet before the season starts on who's going to win the Super Bowl. You can bet on UFC. There's a big card this weekend. You can bet on celebrities dying, which is morbid, but absolutely fascinating if you wanted to do that. And there's prop bets on all these things that you can do. All you need to do is go visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. We thank them very much for their sponsorship. They'll be getting my money in a matter of a few hours, which I will probably blow uh, betting. I believe the Patriots are plus 765 to win it all, and they're the lowest odds to win the Super Bowl. Um, but I believe the Bengals are like plus 25,000. So if I bet a hundred on them and they win, I get $25,000. I would never waste my money on that. But again, my bookie, yes, my bookie.ag. And we thank them for their sponsorship. So we've talked about Cardiff takeover. Um, which of these three shows do you want to, uh, do you want to go to? Hmm. You pick, you pick. Let's start with, um, because I think the weakest of the three was probably NXT UK, just because it was a mm. clip show yeah. and a couple and and the pre-show. So let's start with 205 Live. Okay. Which um, which for me, bad at fifty percent. The 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 best stuff about this is everything about Lindsay Dorado. I agree. Let's say Dorado can talk. Yes. And we've seen and flashes Dorado, of this in the past, but this is the first episode where I was like. Whatever they're going to do with this guy going forward, I think they've got something here with Lindsay Dorado. Look, if you're doing bullet point promos, I'm Oh, he's I'm, got that. Lindsay Dorado can do that. And I dare to say, next to Drew Gulak, he's the guy with the most gift for gab on this roster right now. In just the two oh five live division. To the point where I think he could talk himself into being a bigger player on this division. Uh, I think they need to go this. the other way with the Lucha house party angle. Now I, I, after Feels. watching yeah, the, the Luchas turn on Lindsay staying together. No, they Ooh. turn on Lindsay. Lindsay has the fortitude and goes, you know what? I don't need the crap. I'm going to stand with my boys. His boys don't stand with him. Well, it's funny. Cause uh, something I did not mention in the news just cause I forgot, but, uh, starting today at the Performance Center was the uh, artist no- formerly known as uh, King Cuerno from. Uh, oh, Europe, from I love King Cuerno. That's my guy. And he, El Hijo and de he Fantasmo. Well. Yes, no, he's yeah, really El good. Hijo de yeah, he he is very fluent in English. He could also talk up a storm. If you wanted to replace Lince Dorado with King Cuerno, I'd be okay with that. Uh, but yes, I think I think he should be talking up a storm. 
If you want to turn the entire Lucha House Party heel on Umberto Carrillo, he could be the spokesperson that for works. that. I am, I am very excited about. I loved that match with those two. I thought they chopped the crap out of each other, and I enjoyed every moment of it. Um, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm a little bit sad that it's not going to be one on one, Umberto and Drew Gulak, because I think they can play on the history there and the story. Um, and I think basically Lince is being brought in there so that Drew Gulak or Umberto don't have to take the pin. So it's one of those weird things. I, I don't know. Yeah, if no, this has made me wonder if we are going to get the belt off of Drew Gulak, which I think is a big mistake because he is such a great top of the mountain figure for your next baby face to get to, especially now that he's aligned with Tony East. Actually, now that he's aligned with Tony Nese, I, I think it's even more likely that Drew Gulak hangs on to the title. You know what, though? I am I'm a little tired, personally, of the chase thing because it never pays off as big as it should anymore. I would love to see them put the belt on Umberto Carrillo and just see what happens. Put him on, put him on Raw for a special match. See if he gets over with this title. You know, really go to the moon as opposed to this half measure. Well, we're going to have him chase, so he's going to lose the first time. And then the next time he'll eventually get his comeuppance and he'll eventually win. And then we'll do the. Okay, you know what? I, I'm into this. The half ass baby face title push that they always do with guys on their first title push. And then they have him lose you know, ingloriously to a Drew Gulak again by cheating. You know, they did this. They're do, kind of doing this with Kofi Kingston right now. Kofi Kingston is winning, but he's not much of a No, champion. he hasn't built to anything. Not, there, there's been very little progression. The Randy Orton stuff's been, it's been fine. Um, but like it, all of these storylines have not been chapters in a bigger book. They've just been the story of the month with Kofi Kingston. Um, I, I will give the company credit that they are featuring him on like Brawlhalla and like he is getting utilized more for merchandising and stuff. And for, you know, Kofi Kingston, the man, um, that is awesome. And he's making good money for his family. And I, and I salute that for sure. Um, to bring the conversation back to Umberto Carrillo and the potential of a babyface push with the cruiserweight champion. I could see that working, but it's again, a project that requires discipline and reconditioning your audience. So it really requires yes. discipline. So you put the belt on Carrillo. Carrillo goes on raw every week and has a seven minute showcase match where he is beating up the heel goober of the week. And sometimes the heel goober of the week includes people that you have seen in the undercard of the main roster and stuff, but Umberto Carrillo starts getting good wins. Every so often, he gets involved in a tag team match, and, oh, hey, it's the Cruiserweight Champion, and he's here to help our baby face in peril this week. And, you know, Umberto's like, salute you. And, you know, he's not going to be involved in any storyline right now or any time in the immediate future. And so, like, that's the way you could make yeah. a strong make baby face champion to build up for the next heel to tear down. I The company has never shown any discipline with this cruiserweight belt, considering the lineage, right? We, we've had... Okay, I'm, I'm trying to remember all of our cruiserweight champions here real quick. Well, let me, let me, let me cut you off here real quick, because I want to I add on to your theory. Like, the first three weeks, you have him beat strong competitors, but you have him do it strongly, as opposed to giving up a lot of, a lot of offense and then coming back. 
Just have him go out there and just blow blow the doors off of a couple guys. Then you put him in a tag match against bigger guys where he get has to work from underneath, but he's already earned the credibility. The problem is they put these guys in matches and they have to work from underneath way too quickly. So nobody ever buys in that they're ass kickers or cool to watch. And I don't you think they I'm have saying? the booking template for the babyface. I'm like sitting here they and thinking about he- the title lineage of 205 Live and all of the strong and long champions in 205 Live have been strong and long-reigning heel champions. Uh, the most notable yeah. one, when King Neville finally got felled by Tozawa, they were like, eh, well, let's do that for one seven day. days. Yeah, yeah, a day. One, one day. day. That's right. Yeah, it was one, I thought it was one week, but it's one day. There you go. Yeah, it was one day. They, they had him win on the pay-per-view, and then he lost like the next day on Raw or something like that. It was just ridiculous. Um. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember that. And then, like, the Tony Nese thing, he's turned heel again, but... And the Tony Nese run didn't work out. And Enzo was actually, like, Enzo, for as controversial as he was, and I'm not saying bring him back, he was actually a strong heel presence on the show. And, like, like yes. actually was a heel anchor of the show, and you wanted to see him get his comeuppance. Um, he could talk. He could talk, right. Um, Drew Gulak can talk, and he has been a really strong presence, and... and you know, the Brian Kendrick wasn't a strong champion, but like I would say the strength of his run compares, you know, to let's say Tony Nieces. Yeah, I, I was saying the Drew the uh the Chad Gable template isn't exactly the strongest either. Even though he's winning, he's not winning he's he's fluke winning. And that's what they do with these types yeah, of Yeah, he needed a stronger win going into this match against Joe, right? Like I needed him to really kind of dominate Andrade Cien Almas and what should have happened in that match was Zelina Vega was like absolutely shocked after that. Yes, exactly. And it, it I mean, so if you're going to do this with Umberto, you know, I don't mind them shoving him down my throat. I really don't because they haven't really done that with somebody young in a long time. I mean, even when they did it with Roman Reigns, he was still, I mean, he was still seasoned. He was a, grown ass man if you want to use that parlance they haven't done it with somebody uh, as young as umberto carrillo they they haven't they haven't you remember we we talked a few weeks ago about the uh thirsty woman baby face you know the sexy the sexy guy that that women scream for and stuff like that they haven't done that in a long long time in the wwe um you know, I, I I think they could I think they could possibly hold off the backlash of the cynical smarky fan if they did it the right way, even if they do shove it down our throats. No, really career just has to go time. out and have earnestly good and hardworking matches like yes. Rey Mysterio used to in '96. This isn't that hard. Yeah, yeah, it's not that hard. But uh, yeah, other than that, other news: Tony Nese, bad guy again. Great, he's gonna be uh, Gulak's flunky. Which is where he belongs. He was I think. broken after the loss to Mike Kanellis. I thought that was actually a good usage of a transitional loss. Mike Kanellis needed a big win to get himself going. Tony Nese had a loss to give here in order to get to this heel character, and I, I thought that this was like well scripted and well placed. Yeah, I didn't like the Oni Lurkin interaction because I don't think Oni. No, it was over Oney the Lurkin top. Needs to be he need, well. He needs to be his Twitter. Yes. Rather than the character he is. He can't be sympathetic. He just needs to be, I need to go kick somebody's ass. I'm sleeping under a park bench and I'm angry. That's all I want from him. I don't want, I don't want shades of depth from Oni Lorcan right now until I've established him as crazy. Yeah. Like what should have happened is 
he should have came up to Tony Nese next week and said, I saw what you did with Drew Gulak, and I don't like that because I don't like Drew Gulak. I want to beat him up and take his title. We should fight. And then just walk off, and that like sets up that feud. Yeah, or yeah, but I I didn't mind Nice just slugging him on the outset. <laughs> I thought that was okay, but yeah, just just the weird nod to Drew Gulak. Yeah, I'm back on your side again. Oh, you mean after having a rampant six month feud, you're just gonna say, okay, I'm back with you? Okay, great. You know, it, it, there was some there's something off about it, but he belongs being a heel. He needs a manager, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens with him. I like him a lot. It's just charisma is a little lacking. The Brian Kendrick and Tozawa seem to be cruising to a heel turn of some sort. I think that that's what's being foreshadowed here with the Brian Kendrick growing back the facial hair. Yeah, there's something health-wise going on with Gallagher, which we'll go get into with the NXT UK thing. I think that's why they've uh, not been able to continue that on TV. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah. I, I now was Kendrick gonna split from Tazawa, or are they both gonna turn? No, it looks like they're both gonna turn because they beat up the enhancement talent, and then at, they yeah. grabbed the microphone and challenged Gallagher to a match, or said that Gallagher was scared of him and was ducking the fight, and we'll see if Gallagher can even get a tag team partner next week. Fair. So let's move on to uh, NXT UK. Okay, NXT UK was. A little bit of the runoff from the NXT TakeOver shows. And it's just, it's a tough spot. So we had this Piper Niven and Rhea Ripley match. I felt like it wasn't, it wasn't like a good match. It was obviously a short match. The biggest problem to me in this match is the fact that the crowd went 50-50 on it. And for the whole Piper Niven thing to work, I feel like the crowd has to be 100% behind Piper. Yeah, they hadn't established... Rhea Ripley as I, I think they had made Piper Niven too strong, maybe to get the sympathy from the crowd. Like she's an ass kicker, but, but they hadn't really established. There's this whole Rhea thing Ripley of she can handle her vile own. and evil. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. because you've presented Piper as a big, strong woman who can handle her own and she can get in there and scrap and stuff. It's tough to present Piper in peril. And how are you yes. going to do that? And Rhea Ripley, um, yeah, it doesn't doesn't come off as putting Piper Niven in any real peril in this matchup. So it just felt it felt like a 50-50 match, which brought the crowd 50-50, which I didn't think did either character any real service, except maybe Rhea Ripley, who might be a babyface on NXT US. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I uh, uh- it's weird where my mind travels when I'm watching things like this. Cause I'm thinking Rhea Ripley is going to be rethinking her ring gear after this match, because it's obvious she's dressed like she doesn't have to take a lot of bumps or be on the ground a lot in what she's wearing. And it appeared they were telling her, make sure you cover up uh, your bosom. <laughs> Cause it looked like she was doing her best to control her, her wardrobe while she was down on the ground. Cause she's not really, Wearing um, what one would call athletic apparel on the waist up. Um, so that was, I'm watching that going, yeah, Rhea doesn't really work from underneath that much either. And she's not really expected to be on the ground all that much. So she may have not have thought this through. I, I think I liked the match a little bit more than you did because I liked the hard hitting aspect of it. But yeah, it was short. 
and it really didn't solve anything because as they put over on commentary, it's 1-1 now or something to that effect. I'm like, okay. And putting it on the runoff show makes it feel lower tier in this whole Battle of the Bulls thing. When you do a Battle of the Bulls presentation, and NXT UK did a really great job of this with Dave Mastiff and Joe Coffey, and I thought did a nice job with the rebuild off of that. When you do a Battle of the Bulls, you've got to present it like it's a big thing. Mm-hmm. And so to give it on the runoff show really takes away from the whole Battle of the Bulls feel of it. Yeah. Um, why do the Hunt own suits? Because sometimes you have to look classy when you're on the veldt. Chris, Chris, they're trying to domesticate my wild animals. I don't want this. I do not like it. I, 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 I'm, you know, I understand they were trying to comfort, uh, comfort old. They're Dave a full faction now, match. Jeff. You should be happy for them. I'm ha- I'm very happy for them. And, you know, I <laughs> the choices in suits were interesting to begin with. But uh, I, I looked at that. I went, they have primate in a suit. They have wild boar in a suit. This cannot stay. What would be funny have is this. if at some point primate realized that he was in a suit and had like a massive freak out and started just tearing off all the clothing. Yes. Yeah. That's what I want. I want self-realization. I want uh, or I want them to be in even even more prim and proper suits. Like tails and, and tuxes and tails and top hats. Monocles. Yeah. <laughs> Monocles and pipes, Absolutely. you bet. No, th- these guys and would Jessica be great. Up. Yes, they're really civilized, except when they're in the ring where they're like absolute yes. wild men. And then otherwise, like they read books and stuff. Hitchman comes out with like one of those big old Sherlock Holmes pipes. Like, pip, pip, brother. Keep your chin up. <laughs> uh, the other match on this show, other than clips, um... Cassius Ono oh, I'll, versus I'll Sid Scala. Well, I was going to make a note about one of the other clips because it was weird because I really wanted I wanted more defeatism from Tyler Bate in that clip with Trent Seven. I wanted him to be a little bit more devastated than he was. He just kind of looked out of it to me. I didn't, I didn't buy it. Yeah, it's like a tough cord to strike because the whole story of that match is kind of like he was out on his feet at the end of the match so in theory that promo is the right promo but also was the wrong promo i'm with you yeah i wanted a little bit more i wanted a little bit more emotion out of tyler after after losing what may be his last chance you know you never know but yes it was originally supposed to be cassius ono versus jack gallagher um jack gallagher was uh unable to compete um, on the night of Cardiff, which I found unfortunate because I thought that match would be hot fire. So instead, Johnny Saint's kind of a jerk. And he whispers something to Sid Scala. And Sid Scala has to go out there in his work clothes and wrestle. I like to think that the Johnny Saint. The greatest British wrestler ever. I like to think that Johnny Saint told Sid Scala, I believe in you. You can do this. You're going to win. Oh, Oh, see, I, I think it's a power play. I thought he whispered, look, you punk kid, you're never going to get my job. Go out there and get your butt kicked or you're fired. Which, w- which would be far more emotion than Johnny Saint has yeah, ever no, shown that's, on an Yeah, NXT I was going to say, that's show. a lot more depth and layer to Johnny. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Johnny Saint's like so like kind of blank and... Comatose. Yes. He is absolutely just, just phoning this in for a check. 
And he can't remember lines, so they just show him whispering stuff. And he's probably just... Right, absolutely. <laughs> but I love Sid Scala. I think he's great. He's got I a love thing. him as this underdog yes. baby face. You know, when he I starts striking hard back at Cassius Ono and starts throwing those forearms, he's got good technique. I like this guy. This guy has a thing. He was good as enhancement talent on yeah. the show before they put them. I mean, and they obviously they saw that, and that's why they put him on this this on air role, which I think he over delivers on for what they give him. He he puts far more characterization into his character than I think they ever had any hope of doing. Um, I, I absolutely howled at Ono begging off when he came in when when Scala came in. As if the, the you know this pint-sized guy is gonna really be oh I I, I really adored this match I did I, I had a lot of fun with it and it's sad to me that Cesaro's not sticking around it appears because no. they flew him back for, they flew him back for that crappy Miz match are you kidding I know. me after that after that Dragon off match his reward is to fly back and to look bad against the Miz. I'm flabbergasted, Chris. I don't get it, man. It's like, clearly, someone has this idea of Cesaro should be doing matches elsewhere because he could be doing much better matches and helping other brands much more than he's helping our main roster brand. And that's why he keeps getting slotted into these matches and not somebody else. Somebody thinks this is a good idea. But then, somebody else has another idea. I think... You know what? I do think Vince was monitoring the show. I don't think he was watching live per se, but I think he was monitoring reactions and stuff of that. He saw this huge reaction for Cesaro. He's like, "Damn, he's a star. We need him on our. We need him immediately on our next show on on Raw. Bring him over." And then they brings him over. He goes, "Cesaro, we're using you against the Miz." <laughs> Just like so, you gotta use all this goodwill to try and get the Miz over. For his match. That's what he looked at, I think. And I'm just like, you backwards thinking dope. He could he could be reigning here in NXT UK. And you're using him to put over the Miz to lose to Shinsuke Nakamura. I just, I just, I was like, if I'm Cesaro, I'm loving the checks. I'm loving probably the, the private jet. Oh God, that I the got creative to frustration to like go over to NXT UK and see a roster where you perfectly slot in as like a 1A level babyface almost immediately. If he's a if he's a creative guy, he'd be frustrated. I don't know if he's a creative guy or if he's a guy that just wants the check. Yeah. See, if you're a guy that just wants a check, you're fine with it. Hey, I'm getting too, I'm getting double paid over the weekend. Sure, I'll do that. If you're a guy who, you know, I'm an artist and I want the best matches and I want to be known as a legend and so yeah, you're like Man, F this. I thought the grizzled young veterans characterization was really interesting. I thought it was interesting that Gibson was not talking about mistakes or anything. He was just singularly focused on getting the rematch and how they had been mistreated. Yeah, he was angry about having to have a four-on-two situation. Right, right. And it, and, and it was weird, his interplay with, with Saint, where it's just like, look, you were a tag team wrestler, you get this. I just want the fair shot to defend my title or to win my title. I just want two on two. So maybe maybe it's a slow build or maybe it's not at all. Yeah, I guess maybe, not at all. Yeah, I, I, it seems like maybe we just completely misread the finish to that match. But And, and of course, Johnny Saint just comes out there points or whatever and kind of mumbles something. And you're just like, 
Zach Gibson shoots <laughs> off next week's match. Go. I just, I, I love Johnny Singh as a wrestler, and I loved the idea of him being an authority figure, but he brings nothing to this. No, especially when you Absolutely compare it to nothing. William Regal and you go, why not have Regal? Yeah. I mean, why can't he just be the general manager of two NXT brands for how little he's actually utilized on NXT US? Of the of the entire of the entire NXT universe. Right. Yeah. So if any other NXTs, you know, if NXT Japan or NXT Canada get opened up, William Regal's that guy too. Give him all the money. I'm I'm for. And have Sid Scala assist that, him. Oh man, Sid Scala and William Regal as NPC or generally NPC like management figures sit occasionally has a match or whatever on behalf of William Regal, but it doesn't go any further than that. I mean, come on. That's just, that's goodwill all the way. I want that. You're making me want that now, Jeff. I think that's about it. I think that's all we have for NXT, right? I can't think of anything else we didn't hit on. No, I, that that's all of that. And then we move over to NXT US here. I wish that Breezango had been rebooted in a more serious way God. than this. Yes. They're the fashion police again. And they're and they're doing the hip swiveling dancing goofball entertainment stuff. And I'm just like damn, I thought they were going to do something else with them. I know. No, I agree with you 100%. I, I have nothing I just, more to say. It, it, I'm I'm really really frustrated that this was not the fresh start button for these two guys. Um, who obviously would benefit from it, and it, just, it seems so obvious. I, just, I thought that was the whole yeah, right. Like, well, there, this but, I the guess, but I guess it's just. I guess somebody said, "Well, no, he, they need to be seen as the guys that they are on the main roster. They need to keep this character stuff going." And you're just like, "Eh." You know, I thought the interplay between them and the uh, two kids from Canada, who I guess have been a team for a long, long time, uh, Martel and. Uh, Martell and Parker. No, I I liked uh, I I liked the classic French Canadian, like lots of hugging and like you know fraternity stuff. Uh, The wimpy heel stuff, where you're hugging too much, you care too much for it. You know, if if after the first bump he had crawled over and and hugged the guy's legs in cowardice, I would have taken that. Yeah, no, I I liked uh, I liked the match a lot. I just I I thought. I thought maybe we'd give Breezango a little bit more of an edge, but again, we're in the sports entertainment realm where we don't want to be too edgy. That's AEW's realm. I guess. Um, Cameron Grimes, just because I want to stay on the subject of bad costume changes here, what the hell is Cameron Grimes wearing? It was so simple. A hat. It's not just the hat. It's the <laughs> vest and like... It's like he's an old-time patent medicine man or something. He's got a psychedelic circus yeah, it's, down it's, in New Orleans. If, if you look at like old pictures of like the band or traffic, and you know they they have the, that that kind of you know the the old dusty hat with like the uh, weird scarecrow type stuff around it, and you know they're they're like these old-time British farmer type costumes, and you're like, what the hell is this stuff? And the promo wasn't that good. No, either. it wasn't. And that's a shame. I, what man? They had it with this guy. All he needs to be doing is snarling and mad and in plain black trunks and just mean or cocky and cocky or even cocky. Yeah. A little bit of a little bit of calm A, a little bit of calm B and like instead they're like what you need is to look like Slash from Guns N' Roses but southern. Well, here's the question for me, what is the point now of this entire New Stars tournament? 
because we've we've had Shane Thorne running through other participants, and we burned through this Jordan Miles match pretty quickly too. And Jordan and Jordan Miles is done as a, as a legitimate threat because they chose not to crown him, which just makes him a guy. And you're just like, okay. There's, there's, to me, the much the more interesting main... thing would have been to have had a flash in the pan title run with Jordan Miles, where he yeah. upsets Adam Cole, but then the undisputed era. One week title. Yeah, line. and then the undisputed era screws him out of the title the next week. Yes. I, I, I'd be fine with that. I, it doesn't hurt the title nope. at all, it makes him seem legitimate. Uh, yeah, no, that's the thing I wanted to, wanted to talk about, because even with this Jordan Miles match, between this, the Ali match, uh, against um, Elias, and even in some respects, the uh, the Cedric Alexander Baron Corbin match. They love telling the story of the underdog who is just gritting out something, but comes up short, and we're supposed to respect them after that. And then they end up following up by like. You watch next week. Ali's going to lose to Buddy Murphy. Yeah, where does Jordan Miles go? I mean, th- this is the issue they keep running into. Jordan you can't Miles take is going to lose. Mi- yeah, he's going to lose to like Damian Priest next week, or something to that effect. And 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 this whole build of the tournament will have meant nothing other than he was in a tournament for a title shot. And then the lost. one thing I will say for Jordan Miles that might save him is he could beat the Velveteen Dream and become the North American champion and I think end up okay out of that. But I don't think that's a very high likelihood. So that's the problem with this babyface gets this great opportunity, really tries hard, but loses. Mo- blows it. Yeah, blows it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, he'll get over because he had a great ma- That That happens sometimes. Don't get me wrong. It still happens occasionally where, you know, you have the valiant match and, you know, they, they hang on you after after the match and you get up and you get a standing ovation from the crowd. Sometimes it lasts like in the in the case of Becky Lynch at a takeover, but it has to be a big match situation. Can't be a TV taping. It has to be a takeover or something to that effect. You can't do this on week to week taping because next week he's just going to go out there and it's going to be Damian Priest or Dino, Donovan Dijakovic or whoever. He's going to lose. He goes, well, he's still one of the most promising new stars in the division. Oh, I think Keith Lee's going to turn on him. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think that's what the setup was because we had Keith Lee walking in with Jordan Miles saying, oh, you've got this. You you got so far so fast to get this opportunity at the title. I never got this opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Mm -hmm. what I thought with the foreshadowing here was. And I think he's going to just obliterate Jordan Miles. So you're totally right. No, he's going to be cannon fodder. Yeah, he's going to get turned on by Keith Lee. Keith Lee's going to beat the crap out of him. And they're going to start building him as a heel, probably to face Riddle again. Or maybe Velveteen Dream. Or maybe, but I I think Dream's probably going to be stuck with with the Dunn slash uh, Roderick Strong thing for a while. Oh, yeah, no, he's got that program, but I I think, like, because they got to finish turning Keith Lee heel. But, I I mean, I I think that's probably the end game because he's not going to be the NXT champion. So yeah. he Roderick strong straight out of the rust belt out there burning couches as if the West Virginia won the NCAA tournament or something. Oh no, that was a clear <laughs> call back to the Chappelle show. F your couch, my man. F your couch. Oh, the Rick James. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what I thought that was. Uh, 
Oh no, I liked I liked the promo somewhat. I like this program. I I think Roddy's gonna win, and uh, for the debut against AEW, I think uh, I think the uh, I think the undisputed era is gonna have all the titles, Chris. Interesting, interesting. Maybe so. I don't know. I I keep wondering. I I I do think that visual is very strong for those TV tapings or for the for the television debut. But then I also wonder. Roddy coming up short or constantly being in the chase here and kind of being the weak link. That does seem like a classic storyline they might go with. So we'll see what happens. I was about to ask if we had forgotten anything in the women's division. (laughs) 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 They've repackaged Tainara Conti again. She is now just Tainara, and she is about six shades darker than she used to be, Uh, really playing up the Brazilian part of it. Uh, I love Tainara Conti. I think she's absolutely adorable in playing someone who's way too small to be a wrestler, way too mouthy to be tough, and then just gets the crap beat out of her. But this is another one where they never pulled the trigger on her, and they have no idea what to do with her right now. Nope. Nope. I I don't get the repackage if you don't have... There's a thing with her. She's, she's got a good... She's got a thing that she can do with her act her judo, the judo is fantastic. right yeah right it's good it really is um but having her have a match with uh bianca belair real head scratcher i yeah we forgot to talk about that right but she I she plays the already she she plays undersized arrogant really well she really does my I technique think- will carry me against the bigger baby face because I'm so much smarter and so much more technically skilled. She gives off that vibe. Yes. Well, that's the gimmick. And then she goes in there and like it's it's a lot like an old UFC fight, fighter by name of uh, Georges Gurgel, who a couple of my friends used to train with in Ohio. His thing was he's one of the best uh, jujitsu pract- practitioners in the world, but he wanted to show he could strike. So he'd go in there and do that. He'd always get beat. Because he wouldn't rely on his strength. He wanted to go in and show that he was a real fighter and stuff. That's Tainara. And I wish they had kept her last name. I think one name is stupid for Tainara Conti. I think, I don't think it gets her over any better. I don't think it helps her. I think, it, I think no, if anything, I think the, 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 the second name actually gives her a little bit more character. I agree. Um, you know, it really plays up that she's an ethnic character i i do i i think tainara conti is a is a fine name that they should have kept um but no she goes in there and then she tries to wrestle and then she gets her butt kicked by but bianca belair who is still fantastic i just think she's plateaued a bit in the last year and a half i also i don't think there's no material for her to sink her teeth into too once they didn't pull the trigger on her it's kind of like once they didn't pull the yeah. trigger on her there's a problem uh, I think the three-way that they're touting with uh, her, Mia Yim, and Shayna is interesting. But I I would have really liked to have seen a feud with Kyrie had she stayed a bit longer. I'd like to see something a little bit longer with Candice LeRae. I want to see her pushed a little bit more to do some of these great athletic things that you saw in like the Mae Young Classic that first year. Asuka would have she- been a really good pairing. Asuka would be a great one because they could beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, yeah. And Asuka could... And there'd be no worries about right. that because she is she is a much more muscular woman than a lot of the women on this roster who are a little bit more 
um, thin and a little bit live, but they're still more, you know, they're, their style is more traditional woman than Bianca Belair, who is doing things like, you know, <laughs> squats with people on gorilla on top press of her slams and, and stuff. Gorilla press slams, and she has both power and agility. Oh yeah, she's doing moonsaults too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really want to see her grow in that and try things. And it seems like the system is putting certain reins on her, and it's driving me insane because I. Dude, she's 29. There's not that many years left if she wants to still, you know, it's different for women. Women don't go into their mid-30s because a lot of them want to have families and a lot of them just kind of lose the, the same athletic gifts earlier than men do. And I think she's uber talented. I would have, I mean, I'd bring her up sooner than later. See what you have, but they don't do that. They, they, they play it safe. They go, well, she's not. They, they, when they look at talent, they look at what you can't do versus what you can do. And that is all, that's always driven me nuts about their, their scouting system. Because it, it's like you keep these people down there for too long, you're going to miss the time to strike when they're hot. And then you can't get that back. It's very hard to do. I think we've reached the end of this episode of Shake Them Ropes. Is there anything? Have I ranted too much? Is that why there was a long silence there? I'm sorry. No. Well, I, we we got to the end of the show. I, that was the last okay. thing to talk about. Uh, once again, thank you to mybookie.ag. Go there. Uh, bet responsibly, please. Uh, we are not held responsible if you lose your life savings uh, betting football, but it's fun and it makes the games far more interesting. It's not fun uh, to lose your life savings betting football. <laughs> Uh, patreon.com slash shake them ropes for our extra content for Chris getting high and watching squash matches with Eric Watts and also just the occasional live post pay-per-view show I think we may be doing a clash of the champions review on there I don't know because I don't know if I'm going to watch that live necessarily Chris it's not Um, clash of the champions it's clash of champions I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at Crab Game 13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Uh, this is the now the part where Chris lists his uh, 28 other podcasts that he does. There's like two others. There's the All in the Family podcast. There's, Chris, I'm heavy selling not, it that no, you are in demand as a true. podcast host. I, I forgot. I, I forgot about America's number one highest rated podcast, uh, High Wattage, which you can find, of course, exclusively on the Shake Them Ropes Patreon network, um, broadcasting all over the world. And don't worry.tv is where you can find Don't Worry About the Government, my news and politics show. I'll be putting out another episode of that this weekend. And 30 hours of climate change coverage by Chris Novak. No, it's not me. It, 30 hours of climate. 30 hours, no, no, sir. Um, <laughs> it, but uh, the other show is the All in the Family podcast, which covers All in the Family. So if you're looking for a good show to binge listen to, that is definitely a fun one, too. I, I, I have actually listened to that feed. I don't listen to my own work very much, Jeff, but that one's actually that's fun because you get the whole series. But like you also get like a lot of like news like or like not news, but like history snippets in a row. I don't know. There's there's another thing going on underneath the actual show that's been interesting to listen to. Happen. No, I like the I like the genre you're in, the retro TV show podcast cuz you know, I had I had pitched doing one with Court Bauer, but Court Bauer then got really busy with MLW, which is a shame. Um, Having that history layer on top I think has been yeah. like it's good it's been interesting to really kind of refresh myself with like 
You help. look back on it with eyes and perspective that you can't when you do something like a modern day TV show and a post show. Right, right, yeah, because you have the time to actually sit and see the world closer to the way people were seeing the world back then. No, it's been very fun and very instructive. So I'd say go and check all those out. And otherwise, I want to thank you guys so much for listening to this show. Jeff, anything else? Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the football. Football. Football.